to the Family Movie Night podcast where we want to help your family have better conversations around the content you consume. It is episode 60, and I need to say it. Happy New Year to everybody. Welcome to 2023. The apocalypse did not get us after our last episode. We made it. We're alive. And I'm here with the hero of our podcast, Donnie Dorsey. Uh, how you doing, man? How, how's 2023 feel on you uh, as we are podcasting this from the past? So we're podcasting into the future. You're going to go ahead and just proclaim it. What's your 2023 going to be like? I feel like uh, I got my my new coat on. Like I feel like I'm 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 dressed to impress, and uh, everyone's oh. watching. Oh, so Donnie in this new. In in 2023, you're you're declaring that you are going to 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 come into some extra money that is just for for new clothes. It's it's mostly going to be uh, for for Christmas. I probably received many Monopoly games from different cultures, and I just have them all <laughs> packed up in my closet. So that's where all that extra money is coming from. So in this universe, <laughs> in 2023, the apocalypse has come, and the only <laughs> currency that is left. Is Monopoly money, That's but right. thank God you have it from all these different uh, countries and cultures. Very good. Donnie Dorsey, I'm glad to know that you will be the warlord in the upcoming <laughs> post-apocalypse. I'm glad we've been friends. I, I, I did this well. Okay. And of course, to the villain of our podcast, uh, Sawyer Hewlett, uh, what, what are you, what are you declaring for your 2023? What, what's this looking like for you? I think this is uh, this is my Magneto art. So this is where I kind of stop being villainous and I'm more anti-hero. I'm, you know, I'm out here. I'm doing good as I see good. Okay, if that happens to be villainous to everyone else, so be it. Okay, that's the vibe. Spoken like a true villain. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a villain. I don't see yeah. myself as a villain. If you think my murder of seven million people. <laughs> was villainous that's on you you must yeah. have had family that got murdered exactly okay it's not personal yeah very good right. very good i'm glad i'm i'm terrified of what 2023 what, is going to be what is what is my I, you know I, i'm the villain of the podcast obviously what is my role in mcfarland usa i feel like they're kind of like another high school kid like what I would actually say, and I, we'll get to this when we get to it. One thing excessive I love. Excessive hills. You're excessive hills. One thing I love about. He Mick could Mar be excessive hills. He could be uh, uh, the challenges that immigrant, uh, immigrants face coming to a new country. True. <laughs> True. I, I honestly think one thing that this movie has, and I will get to it, is there's really not a villain. And I love that about this movie. Yeah. Like, I really do think this movie is not people are not the villain. And we'll get to that later. We'll get to that in a little bit. But you already heard the mom of our podcast uh, playing the role of mom. She has to do it in real life. She has to do it here with these unruly, uh, un unruly heroes yeah, and villains. So, so I was going to tell you guys, I made a vision board of what we're going to do for the podcast for 2023. So you can throw out all of your ideas and I'll just have the vision board. We can present it. <laughs> what I'm looking forward to in typical mom fashion is you have perfectly planned out what's going to happen and the kids are going to ruin it all. Yeah. And you will be sitting in the corner. <laughs> You'll be sitting in the corner with your Starbucks that you're just pouring a little bit of whiskey into yeah. to, to make it <laughs> through the story. rest of the day. <laughs> cover R-rated movies on the podcast. <laughs> Text out. Text out. 
Be prepared. <laughs> All right. Well, as you've already heard us say, we are covering uh, a really great movie that I think most people have not seen. Uh, and I think your family will have a great time. In fact, I think this is, I haven't really looked. I think this is the for- first real official sports movie we have covered. Uh, and you can you can uh, debate whether cross country counts as a sport. But we know you can't. Yeah, you can't. That is a sport. Okay. If you you run, you sweat, and you have to actually build endurance, it's a sport. And you compete. All All the people people who are not athletic are deeming it a sport. (laughs) Here's what I was going to say. Here's Here's how you can declare it's not a sport. (laughs) Sawyer was on a cross country team. So I was not on a cross country team. I was not. Okay. 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 Sorry. Swimming. Swimming. The other non-sport. So we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, it's what's the Groucho Marx thing. I would never want to be a part of any any club that would ever have me as a member. Right. Yeah. I would. I would never be a part of any club that would have me as a member. So I would never call anything a sport that would allow me to compete. All right. So here we go. Uh, let's go ahead and get into this. But before we do, I want uh, Donnie Dorsey to tell everybody what it is we do on this podcast. On this podcast, we encourage every family and community Christian church to have a monthly movie night to help you and your children build memories and start conversations that matter. The goal of our family ministry is to help you raise your children to love Jesus and his way of life above all other things. And we know that critical to that is for you to have routine, regular times of connection and shared experiences that help you build stronger relationships. And movie nights are great opportunities to do that because movies are not only an easy way to share laughter, joy, fear, and sadness, in a safe environment, but they also give us a chance to talk about what matters most to us in ways that are meaningful and memorable. And on this podcast, we want to not only recommend some movies you can watch on your monthly movie night, but give you some ideas of meaningful conversations you can have with your children during or after the movie. And as always, the point of this podcast is not to add another thing to your to-do list as parents that you will then feel guilty about if you don't get them done. But we want to make it easier for you and your kids to enjoy being together so that you can build memories and have conversations that matter. So throughout our conversation today, remember that we just want to have fun and help you think through simple and easy ways to share your love of Jesus with your kids. And, uh, None of this has changed since uh, 2022, but we think we have a great movie to help you do just that. Uh, And if you can already tell, this is not like a new tone for 2023. We're we're all a little more like awake and alert and feisty with each other. It's just that we're filming at like one o'clock instead of like eight in the morning. So everyone's a little more awake. Uh, All of us parents have been with our kids for like four hours and we're just ready. (laughs) We're just ready to explode. So maybe this will be a good tone for the podcast. Or maybe you're like, why is everyone just like shouting over each other? Everyone's everyone's so mad and sick. This morning. That's right. We made it through the apocalypse, and now Listen, we're. Different. It's the first January. Yeah, it's the first January episode. So that's what we should all be. This is what 2023 is going to be like. Uh, but here's what we'll say: the movie we're talking about today is McFarland USA, which came out in 2015. Um, this is a movie, uh, and I bet you don't know what it's about. That is about a coach named Jim White, uh, who's played by Kevin Costner. He's a newcomer to a predominantly Latino high school in California's Central Valley. Uh, he's originally a football coach. He gets fired uh, over this incident. 
moves to this uh, school's never coached track before, but ends up building this team. He and his new students find that they have much to learn about one another, but things uh, actually begin to change when White realizes the boys' exceptional running ability more than just physical prowess drives the teens to succeed. Their strong family ties, incredible work ethic, and commitment to their team all play a factor in forging these novice runners into champions so uh i feel like that's a little bit of a spoiler but hey it's a sports movie you should know what you're getting out of this uh so i want to talk a little bit about uh this movie and just why we thought this movie worked now as i said this is a movie that i went and saw and the only reason i saw it in theaters uh was because i had uh the now defunct but slowly coming back movie pass uh where i, I and i'm just going to tell you that it's going to fall apart again but that's all right enjoy it while it lasts if you can get in on it uh but i actually had it when it was in beta testing uh, i got it in 2012 and uh when the world was also supposed to end and uh, and uh we ended up um Going to see this movie, this I had Mondays off and I would go see whatever movie my wife didn't want to see. And I said, hey, there's a sports movie. She's like, oh, I don't know. What's it about? I said, a cross-country team. And she goes, is that a sport? And I said, well, Sawyer, Sawyer likes it. So, In 2012, you said that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was just 2015. So I was, I was just very prescient. Uh, but anyway, I went to see the movie expecting it to be just kind of like a normal. Disney's not known for making great sports movies. Next week, we're actually covering one that is a great Disney sports movie. Uh, but this one blew me away. I was shocked. And what, what stood out to me in particular was the fact that it doesn't really feel like a sports movie, but gives you the same beats uh, and the same feel by the end that you want from it. So I want to talk to Sawyer. Sawyer, I think you had seen this movie before we suggested it. So yeah. uh, what do you like about this movie? Um, I I think um, what I, I what I like about this movie is Kevin Costner's character is like such a unique main character for a sports movie because like you know you think about it like our favorite sports movies my favorite's Rocky okay um I love remember the Titans even which you know uh or Rudy okay all these great movies are focused on the players and stuff like that and their journey to like success and stuff like that I think why this movie is super unique is it's all about the coach who just has a bunch of blind spots and stuff like that in his ability to coach. And it's all about him taking how he understands coaching and these boys who he's, who he is coaching and that their culture is kind of blending is the thing. And that's, I feel like that's, kind of, you know, we, I don't know if we're going to take it in this direction that much in this episode, but this concept of just like very much like integrating with these people, like there's, there's parts where he goes over to each runner's house and stuff like that, which like, my coach did but like i i had a i had good coaches and thing and it's just the, there's these cool scenes of just him getting to know these people and their families and like their difficulties and stuff like that that like you don't see in a typical sports movie in a, in a typical sports movie there's like one scene where the coach and the player get like one like heated moment where like you need to start working harder and stuff like that. there isn't that much of that in this movie there's really just a bunch of scenes of Kevin Costner learning to kind of tenderly care for these people is the thing, which is something he doesn't know how to do. And it, it's just, it's, it's a remarkably sweet movie in a different way than most sports movies are. And I don't know. I just, I, I really like it. I also, I, I, I get 
I'm a sucker for a good sports movie. It's the thing. And so I, I, I really enjoy this movie, you know, um, especially Kevin Costner. He's really good in it. So one of these days, I'm going to find a movie that you are not a sucker for a good one of. I <laughs> openly said that I didn't like movies on this podcast. Okay. No, I want to say, but I want to say you have diplomatically said, yeah. I don't think I was the right demographic for this. Exactly. Which is, <laughs> but which is, you'll say, I'm a good sucker for this. I, yeah. I want to get our super fans to make a mashup of <laughs> Sawyer just saying, I'm a, I'm a sucker for a good movie on the water. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, a good, I'm a sucker for a good movie where two characters share an empanada at seven o'clock. The police dramas. Yeah, partner, so, part he loves us. I'm a sucker for a good version of this, but I agree. A good sports movie. I wanted to find a movie that you're a sucker for a bad version of it. I'm a sucker for a bad sports movie. If it's bad, I like it even more. <laughs> I mean, all right, Rocky Four is pretty great. Okay, yeah, it's pretty terrible. So, there you go. All right, Heidi Cooper, uh, mom of our podcast, said, You've seen this movie before. Yes, I had. I actually had. Yeah. Um, I, I really liked it the first time I watched it. And I think I liked it even more yesterday when I watched it again with my kids because, well, I had watched it with Jackson when he was younger. So, <clears throat> but um, this time it was like little kids. And so I got to explain to them like, oh, well, this was <laughs> in 1987. And so things were a lot different back then. And then we actually looked up the story of the coach, Coach yeah. White. Yeah, this one. is based on a true mm -hmm. story. Yeah, and so we read that, and that was cool as well. They, um, Yeah, he was just a really, he did a lot for the community, and he really did a lot to, like, empower these kids. And um, I love, at the end of the movie, they show, they tell all this, but, like, I love that they, like, went back and told what these kids are doing. And, you know, so many yeah. of them live back in McFarland yes. and they are, they are moving the community forward. Like their teachers, yeah. their principals, their law enforcement, you know, some of them it put, you know, it wrote on there, like they went off track, they spent some time in jail, but that was like the expected for all of them, you know? And they were like, kind of the, ex like, the ones who actually went the path that they were supposed to be, or that most people thought they would head were yes. the ones that, you know, were few and far between versus the rest of them, you know, they got college scholarships because of this, you know, this one guy choosing to invest in them and teach them and coach them and train them in such a way that, you know, they were able to get those scholarships. So uh, yeah, I love it. It's, it's super good movie. Yeah, I, I totally agree on that. Donnie Dorsey, uh, what what was this the first time you had seen this movie? Uh, I feel like um, somebody used a neuralizer on me because when I was watching it, I was like, oh, this looks familiar. So I don't know if I think this is my first time remembering that I watched it. So <laughs> Donnie, I'm a nerd, so I know know what a neuralizer is. But what is a neuralizer for those who, who might be like Ah, so neuralizer is also known as the flashy thing in Men in Black uh, that was able to stop your brain from remembering a certain event and then you know you you re then you don't recall it yeah. so this was like a whole new experience for me i was like yeah this is great and i was like wait a minute i've seen this before did i think it was great last time i think i did 
I I appreciate that. Yeah, I really like this, and I appreciate the very dad approach to this movie from Don, <laughs> which is like, have I seen this before? I think I've seen this before. This is your wedding video. Yeah. <laughs> Was I? Have I seen those people before? Who is that? They look familiar. We should invite um, them over. <laughs> I think that's my uncle. That's you. <laughs> that's you right there. That's going to well, be in me in 30 years. It's not going to be get off my lawn. It's going to be like, hey, it's good times. Good seeing you. Are you yeah. new here? No, that's 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 your that's your child. Oh, gosh. <laughs> this movie is uh, directed by a actually a New Zealand director uh, named Nikki Caro, who went on to direct the uh, Mulan reboot. Uh, the live action one, but I knew her best. Uh, I saw a movie, I like probably when it came out, like 2000, maybe 2002, called Whale Rider that she directed, which is amazing. It is about um, uh, an, an Aboriginal, a New Zealand Aboriginal girl and her tribe. It's very similar kind of vibes to this. Uh, it is, it is awesome. If you get a chance to find it, I don't know where it, I don't know if it's playing anywhere, but uh, it is, it is awesome. And I did not know that when I went to see this movie. Uh, but that was like one of those movies when I was a, you know, like when you're in kind of middle school and you start to kind of watch movies that are more like, oh, these are what like adults watch when they watch movies. Like this is a grown up movie. Whale Rider was like that movie for me. I'm like, oh, this is what, a, this is like a real drama. Like this is what people actually watch. And so when I watch this movie, it has all the Whale Rider vibes. And so, uh, very much, uh, I love this movie. I love the fact that, and, uh, I'm a sucker. I'll throw this out. I'm a sucker for any movie, um, that shows communities that you don't normally see. And I don't ne just mean, um, like ethnic diversity. I mean, uh, she did a movie called North Country. If you haven't seen this movie, North Country is awesome. It is about union workers. Charlize Theron is in it. It's about, uh, the I think it's like the first woman to run for like the union president of like steel workers or something like that. Uh, it's an awesome movie. Because once again, it's just, you know, most Hollywood movies are going to be about New York executives or some kind of like... Uh, I'm a screenwriter. I'm a novelist. I'm a whatever and those kind of things. And these are movies about um, communities you just don't see a lot of. And I think it just is really powerful. Uh, as everyone said, it's a really good sports movie. But what I love about it is, and this kind of gets to our themes that I want us to talk about, is it doesn't follow the typical tropes you'd expect of a um, of a sports movie. One, I think there's only three races in the whole movie. I think there's one early on that they get obliterated at. There's one that they're like, oh, we're actually doing pretty well. And they qualify for the, the state championships. And then there's the state championship one that they do. Um, most of the movie is, and this is the second part, there is no training montage in this movie. There is no, hey, let's go do this. You know, let's learn this skill. And we're just going to take five minutes and poof, we learned the whole skill and now we're great at it. This is a movie about, and this is what I want to talk about, their whole life is the training ground. Everything about their life is training for this. Honestly, it's very similar to like Karate Kid in that way. You know, wax on, wax off, and now I know karate. Like, there are all these things that suddenly I get, and honestly, the 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 one like, it's not halftime because it's not the way it works in cross country. Uh, but the one kind of speech the coach gives at the end of the movie to him is basically what has prepared you for this day is the fact that all these other kids are like private school kids and they all have money, but you have to get up extra early, which we've seen from the whole movie. You got to go work 
in in the fields and then run to school, right? They don't have cars, so they have to run to school, do all your school, then run back, finish your work, then run to actually practice and do this. And basically his point is you have developed the mental, emotional toughness to actually beat these teams that are uh, better equipped than you are. And what I want us to be able to talk about today and what I think is a good thing for this movie, and I really probably most sports movies, is the concept that everyone gets in a sport. If I'm going to be good at something, if I'm going to be able to win the race, if I'm going to be able to compete at a high level, that means there's a lot of things you don't see. There's a lot of practice. There's a lot of physical conditioning. What we now know is the best athletes have mental conditioning. They go through mental toughness to be able to kind of stay cool under pressure. All of that training produces the kind of person that in, in any given moment, they could play the sport. They could run the race. They could do whatever when it's called upon them. And what that's called is discipline. Well, the same thing is true when it comes to spiritual life. There's a way in which that what we think the spiritual life is, I learned some things about Jesus. I learned some things about things I should do and not do. And then my job is just to go off and apply them. When I learn them, go and do them. But the truth is spiritual life, and this is what Paul kind of equates it to at one point, it's like running a race and you got to train. You got to train your body. You got to train your mind. You got to train your speech. You got to train your patterns of thought, your emotional reactivity to become the kind of person who can respond like Jesus in any given moment. And that's not a matter of learning the right thing to do. That's a matter of training yourself. And so what we wanted to talk about, and we actually kind of mentioned this a, a few episodes ago of making our homes practice grounds, training grounds, but not teaching grounds, not where we lecture our kids into learning what they should do, not where we just tell them over and over again, be like Jesus, be like Jesus, but we can actually train them how to do it like they were an athlete. So that's what I want to talk about a little bit right here. And so why don't we get started with how this movie can kind of help foster those conversations. Sawyer, you look like you want to say something. You got something? Yeah. And like, the, I think the biggest thing that like that I think this movie especially addresses is the the coach just wants to be aware aware of what's going on in his players' lives. He's not trying to fix all of their problems, you know. He like seriously, my favorite parts of this movie are the times that he goes over to the runners' houses and eats dinner with their families and stuff like that. I think that happens three or four times in the movie, and it, they're just they're great great moments and stuff like that, and. I think that's the biggest thing that like my parents did well is like whenever I was like, you know, as a little kid, if I like skinned my knee, they were like, they would eventually be like, all right, let's put some, let's throw some Bactine on that and put a bandaid on it. But uh, they oftentimes would be like, you know how to put on a bandaid, you know how to like scrub it and stuff like that. Go get yourself cleaned up. And like that kind of stuff prepared me as I got older, they, you know, as I was developing socially and stuff like that, I was, Honestly, I was really socially awkward when I was in seventh grade. I know, shocker, I was an awkward seventh grader. And my parents didn't help me that much. They kind of just allowed me to sink or swim. Did I get bullied a little bit? Yeah. But do I think it's like bad that they didn't ever step in? Absolutely not. They're 
their passivity almost like helped me. And I'm not saying it was not passivity. It was them being very intentional and making sure that I was getting strong and stuff like that. And, and with my relationship with Jesus, they were almost like the opposite of like passive aggressive. They were like, sort of like, you need to be careful. Like they, they're like, you need to like make sure that you're in on this kind of stuff because this is for the long haul. And, and it was, it's just like all these areas where I think like as parents, like my parents did a great job of knowing where to intervene, when to intervene, how to make sure that I wasn't going to like fly off the rails, but also how to make sure that I was going to fail in ways that I could learn from. Yeah. Well, and I think honestly, what you said there, Sawyer, which I think is huge. And my wife and I use this language a lot with ourselves, but I think a lot of parents, we just forget it. Our primary goal as mom or dad is not chief hugger, is not a best seat lap to sit on. It's not, or, and it's also not drill instructor. Our job is coach. And we miss this a lot. I'm the one who knows you well enough. I'm the one who's with you well enough to help coach you, to train you to be like Jesus. And that does mean sometimes I got to hug, right? That does mean sometimes I have to show affection. That does mean sometimes I have to do this. But like you said, I love the scene in the, in the movie where not just he goes over to, uh, to lunch with him, the scene where he goes and works in the fields with them. So he can experience what they experience, which one, there's a cool parallel there of talking about, you know, Jesus experienced everything we experience. There's something kind of cool in there. But to, for him to be able to go, in order for me to be able to coach you, I need to know what you've been through. I need to know who you are. And honestly, what he ended up seeing was strengths that he was unaware of. And we as parents to be able to do that. So here's one thing I'll kind of throw uh, just in for us to kind of discuss off of this. My wife is the queen of this. I'm not great at this. My my wife, and I don't remember where she learned this, but she told me one day, she goes, we got to start doing this more. And this started maybe two or three years ago. Um, we do tons of redos in our house. And what I mean is when our kids mess something up, we immediately go, do that again. Do it again the right way. And what I mean is, so one of my kids runs upstairs, they lose their temper. We don't hug them. <laughs> I'm not saying we don't ever hug them. We don't hug them in that moment. We go, you don't ever speak to me like that. Do it again the right way. I want to train you the right way to speak when you're angry. Because there is a way that goes, hey, you must be really upset. Let me, mm, mm, let me do this. But all I'm doing is teaching you. All I'm doing in that moment is teaching you, say whatever you want to say. Learn the wrong habit. What I want to teach them is, and this is why I say, you didn't hurt my feelings because I'm your dad. I love you forever. But here's the truth. They're going to be people you interact with, and they're not going to give you 32 chances to get this right. They're not going to give you 32 times to get this right. So I want to teach you how to do it the right time. So when you're angry, so when I send you to your room, here's the way you walk up the stairs. When you walk up the stairs the wrong way and you're knocking things over, I go, go pick all that up. Do it again the right way. My wife is the queen at this. I'm not great at it. I'm telling you, oh, you want to throw things? You, <laughs> let's get Okay. Okay, you know, let's get in this. And there's there's two responses. There's some of us that are me, and oh, we're gonna we're gonna do this now. And then there's the oh my god, let, let me pull you in and let's do this. Neither one of those are the most helpful in that moment because I'm not training you how to do anything. I'm saying if you can't handle your emotions, mommy can't or daddy can't because I'll hug you and I'll make it better. Or if you can't handle your emotions, that's it, you're done. There's a third way, which is if you can't handle your emotions, let me help train you how to handle your emotions. Let me show you the right way to do it. Because there is a way that we just teach them. 
you need to count to 10. But then we never make them count to 10. Well, teaching me to count to 10 doesn't do anything. Everyone knows they're supposed to count to 10. I, the adult in that moment when they were stomping up the stairs, goes, Nathan, count to 10. And I go, nope, (laughs) not doing that. (laughs) So anybody else, ways to help kind of train our kids, not just teach them, right? I'm not teaching you with my words. I'm showing you with your body. Not, Not me do it. You do it, right? So anyone, ideas on that? How do we train our kids? Yeah, I think um, one of the things that I noticed through this movie is that it is um, it's not something that you, you know, do and then it's done. This is a habitual thing that you do. And and it it's actually the interesting part about this movie is it doesn't show this represented with the kids. It shows it with the coach. He wants he's been one to be the popping off at the mouth to run away from hard things. And that's how he ended up in this situation to begin with. And then he, you know, I don't know if anybody else noticed, but at the end of the movie, they show his house and there's a big tree in the yard. And when he first walked in to the store and met the, you know, the guy who, the store owner, he said, um, yeah, you should put a tree in your yard so that in a few years, five years, yeah. you'll have shade and then you'll have a nice yard. And <laughs> until then, you're not going to be able to grow anything. And I just I love that they show that at the end of the movie and kind of walk through where they all ended up because they, you know, it shows that that he didn't give up, not because he was, you know, disqualified because of his attitude. So he didn't quit. He didn't do what he did before and blow it up. And then he also didn't quit when something else looked better or more attractive. And I think that that's the kind of thing that really, it always hits our kids, usually around middle school. They'll have something that if they were really interested in when they're a kid, then they, they either want to change it or switch it up or something like that. And that's all fine and well. We just need to make sure that the one that isn't optional to like trade out for a different, you know, very variation of the same, you know, thing, um, sport or after curricular or whatever club that they're in is Jesus, that their relationship with yes. Jesus is something that they, they never look at as like something that can be replaced with something else. And that's only going to come from us showing them how important and how, um, essential, how crucial it is for us that we have our relationship with Jesus and that we are are constantly consulting him and constantly, you know, talking and bringing him into our conversations with him. So, yeah, I think that's probably the biggest way to train is to just say, I'm not going to just go to church when things are hard or when we don't have something going on this weekend, when it's an off season from whatever sport we play or whatever sport we watch, you know, I mean, I'm not criticizing. I know I get it. Um, I understand, you know, how, how that can all happen. But I think it's for me myself as well. I think it's one of those things that just that, that consistency, other things can come and go, can be seasonal, can be, you know, traded out. But that's one thing that we need to be really consistent over time. And that's going to do so much more for them and their desire to have a relationship with God. It'll just be a natural thing for them. I think that's huge, Heidi. And so I want to I want to kind of point out two things you said and maybe add a, a little bit onto them. One, the thing you said about church, I think is huge. The one non-negotiable in our life as believers is 
and it is our faith in Jesus. I don't want to, but they're not separate. My relationship with the church, my relationship with believers that I'm committed to, it absolutely is essential to my relationship with Jesus, right? And this is what the Bible, the New Testament writers are getting to when they say the the church is the body of Christ and Jesus is the head of the body. You cut a head off from the body that body don't do too well. Neither does the head. So you got you got to keep. Neither on. does the arm if the arm isn't attached to a body. Right. It's exactly. Dead. It's exactly useless. exactly. And so to say to our kids, and I say this regularly. So here's a good example. I just think good language for us to get. Our kids will say all the time to us, "Well, we got to go to church to learn about." God. And I say to them over and over again, church is not where we go to learn about God. Church is where we go to love Jesus by loving his people. And that's a, that's a, it may sound like a small distinction. It's not because here is what I've learned from kids and doing youth ministry forever. By the time, if a kid's been in church their whole life, by the time they're 15, they know all the stories. They know most of what the youth minister is going to say before he says it. And what they eventually get is I know all this stuff. Because they thought the point was to learn it all. It's school. I graduate. And I gra- I just graduated early, right? I got to get through this to get it. And then eventually there's this feeling of, why am I even doing this thing? Why am I even doing this thing? I know it all. I have a personal relationship with Jesus. But you never graduate from your family. <laughs> you never just go, well, I'm 15 now. Why do I have to go see grandma? <laughs> why do I have to go talk to my mom? I mean, that is what you feel when you're 15. But every person, no person goes, you're right. You're right. You got to the point you don't need us because what the church is, so that is this family that I'm committed to, that I love. And so I I totally agree with Heidi. I know a parent uh, who's got a high schooler and I won't mention who they are because I don't know if they're okay with me sharing this, but I'll just say they wrote up a contract for one of their kids that says, hey, you want to do this extracurricular and I'm okay with it, but here's the contract. If we allow you to do this, you can miss one Sunday out of X many Sundays. And if your team is playing, you have to tell your coach ahead of time, I can miss this amount of Sundays, which was a very small amount of Sundays because church is was my first commitment. And I'm not going to miss this for this. And if that means you can't have me on the team, if that means that, you know, someone else has to get a better position, I'm okay with that, right? I can only miss X amount of small groups to do this thing. What that is doing is one, it is training your kid, whether they are a little resentful of you and are like, oh, they at least see, wow, mom and dad actually take church seriously. They're not okay to just drop it the moment that something better comes up. And I just thought, I'm not at that place with my kids, but I thought, wow, that parent, they get it. They see it. They, and that's training. It's teaching my kid being with the body of Christ. It matters. The second thing I was going to mention off of something Heidi said, and then Donnie, I want you to get to talk a little bit about the training thing is how important it is. And this is not directly something you said, but I kind of, it's spurred from something you said, how important it is for us as parents to go first on the training thing that we, we are willing to admit when we don't get it right. And we're willing to almost say to our kids, help me with this. So once again, my wife, who I think does a great job at this, I don't remember what the specific thing was, but I remember both of us had said to one of our daughters, I don't like you saying that. There was something that they said that we just didn't think was very respectful. It was the way they phrased something. Um, and my wife said, you know, I kind of say it that way. I know that's where she picked it up. And what she said to my daughter was, I don't want you saying that anymore, but you know what? I shouldn't be saying that anymore. 
I shouldn't. So here's what I want. I'm going to hold you accountable. When I hear you say it, I'm going to tell you to stop. And when you hear me say it, you have permission to tell me I shouldn't say it because we're both trying to follow Jesus. And that's a big deal. Because one, what that tells my kid is it's normal that I will have to train my entire life. Uh, there is not a point where I graduate from learning to be like Jesus. And two, there's a humility to saying this. I'm not doing this because I'm better than you. I'm doing this because I'm just ahead of you. I'm just a step. I'm just a couple, I'm, you know, 20 years down this road and you haven't been there. I'm just trying to show you my way. And I thought that was a great thing she did. I, of course, have nothing to work on. So I don't know why I would ever say that to my kid. But my wife, I mean, you know, she got, she had all, all kinds of stuff. She's probably listening to me saying this. <laughs> That's probably not okay. So I'm going to let Donnie talk now. And uh, Donnie, you got anything on this idea of training versus teaching? Um, yeah. Like the first thing I think about is something I've tried to incorporate with my kids is like creating patterns and routines because no matter what it is, if you have a bad pattern and you routinely do it, it's going to lead to down that path because a lot of times they'll say something or do something. I'll say, is that really what you were trying to communicate or something like that? And be like, no, I was just frustrated. I was like, but did you say you were frustrated? Like, did you communicate that you were frustrated? And the thing I try to tell them is that it's not going to happen overnight. If you aren't great at communicating, it's going to take every opportunity you have to learn how to communicate better. Like stopping and going, hey, mom, I'm sorry I said that. All right, dad, I didn't yes. mean to say it like that. Because I think, you know, exactly what we watched from the movie is that people treat a lot of things like, okay, well, I should be, if I'm naturally good at something, I should just keep doing what I've already been doing. No, you have to practice it. You have to continue doing it. Like, it doesn't matter if you're the best person, best speaker in the world. If you're not constantly practicing how to improve on it, it doesn't, it won't get better. Eventually it may decline in how well you do it because being a loving person isn't, Hey, I was loving to you that one time, but the second time when you stole my toy, I was ready to like haul off and punch you. Like that's not, that's not the same thing. You have to practice it regularly. It's doing those things in a routine. It's like, and I try to do that with my kids. Like I say like the things I do a lot of times, it's because I've put that routine in my life. Like yes. if it's okay, I'm going to read my Bible regularly. I'm going to do this and you're going to see it to the point where you go, you hear your kids will say things like that. They'll go, man, whenever someone's dealing with something, I always hear dad pray. Or I hear that he pulls, I see him put out his Bible on these regular basis because as much as you talk about it, your kids are not going to take in everything that you say, but they will always catch everything that you do. So yeah. when you're like, hey, you shouldn't be rude to people, but then you're on the phone with uh, someone that you're not, you don't take kindly to. And you're like, look, first of all, da, 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 da. And then you're saying all kinds of crazy things. You're like, yeah, don't talk to people like that. Like, and like a good example, I'll tell you like this is that, for instance, like you've ever been like looking at something and you, or looking and you say something. And as soon as you say it, but you don't do that. It's like, no, I don't need to say that. I need to like, kind of like what you're saying with uh, your wife doing is that, that idea of going, hey, I need to let you hold me accountable for it too, because yeah. I think all of that is built in. But a lot of times we just do the, hey, I'm going to say it. Kids don't do this. Don't do that. Do that. But I need to build in that routine so you can watch my pattern. 
so you can yeah. see what it looks like when it's in practice and when I mess up as much yeah. as when I get it right. Because if I haul, like if I say something I shouldn't have said, my kid, I'll ask them, I'll say, do you hear me apologize when I do, when I say something I shouldn't have said? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, that's what I always want you to know is that whatever I'm telling you, most times I'm trying to put it in practice, even when I get it wrong. Because if you don't practice it regularly and do that routine and build in that pattern, it won't become, you know, it won't be like, you know, to use the analogy of the watching them run, you'll never be able to run up that hill. You'll never be able to get up that hill easily and pro- progressively and gradually improve if you're constantly going right back to square one, where it's yeah. like you're not building into that. So. Well, and I think the thing the movie does well, and this goes to what you were saying, Donnie, is you really had there's there's these two characters on the team. One is uh, Thomas, who is just like supernaturally gifted at running, um, and he's very fast, right? He 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 doesn't have a car, so he runs everywhere he goes. At one point, he pulls over and he's like, "You you were running twelve miles an hour or something like that, yeah. like sustained at twelve miles an hour." And then the moment he gets to a hill in that first race, he just completely falls apart. Because your point is right. It doesn't matter what your natural gifting is. Like there is supernatural gifting, there's spiritual gifting that you have if you don't put the work in. And I mean, even beyond just like speaking abilities or, you know, any of that kind. I mean, specifically like my patience. Uh, some of the people who who tell me who are some of the most gentle people, they seem like the most gentle people are incredibly bitter about things because they've convinced themselves. I forgive things all the time. Things just roll right off my back. And then the right person or the wrong person offended me. And it's been 20 years and I've never let it go. And I still think about that person. But I tell myself everything rolls off my back. I'm naturally gifted. I'm the kind of person who doesn't let anything. But man, I got this hurt and it doesn't go away. Everyone has to be trained on forgiveness. Everyone. It doesn't matter how naturally gifted you are at letting things roll. Everyone has to be trained. Everyone has to be trained. My wife would, and I would have said about my wife, she's one of the most slow to speak, humble, gentle people. And then she became a mom. (laughs) And I think she would freely admit there are things I say to my kids. And I go, why did I say that? Why didn't I think before I spoke? Because everyone has to be trained, no matter how naturally gifted. But then there's another character and his name is Danny. He's the heavier set kid who they put as the anchor. He doesn't run very well. And then the triumph of the movie is Danny running up that hill. He sees that his team member is, is, it has fallen behind and he runs up the hill. And my girl said, how did he do that? He shouldn't be able to do that. And I said, remember all those days he went out and ran up those hills. And I said, I bet a lot of these runners didn't do that. They're naturally gifted, but they didn't put the work in. And that's what I told them. I said, no matter how bad, no matter how impatient you are today, no matter how uh, ugly you may say things to people today, no matter how many things you hold on to today, if you allow, if you practice being like Jesus, and it's, it's both, it's not a works thing. It's not like I have to do the work. It's the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit comes alongside me. And if I will put the work in, the Holy Spirit goes, I will double and triple and quadruple your efforts. You will become a completely different person. Yeah, because I was, I was when you said that, I was thinking about the idea of like how people think about peace and patience and all these things. People think of peace as like everything is good, but it's not that. It's the being in the boat like Jesus and the storm happening and you're asleep. And it's not you're asleep to the problems of the world or the things going on around you. It's that you understand what can be controlled and you understand what can't be controlled. And you understand that each thing is just a progressive, gradual step 
to improvement and to, to growing and things like that. Because I think, like you said, I mean, it's so easy to go, yeah, I want to be patient, but I want it right now. But that patience and that peace doesn't come without trials. Like that, like yeah. Danny didn't go and like, hey, I, I conquered this mountain. No, he he faced challenges, but he progressively continued on. And that's what happens in us, like as Christ followers, is that the Holy Spirit dwells in us and makes more, makes those things grow. And like, you know, as yeah. my wife kind of like describes it as she's like, uh, you grow that patience muscle or you grow that, yes. that peace muscle, like in that, that love muscle, like you just get better at it because it's not because life got easier it's because you practiced it you didn't practice it when everything was perfect a lot of times you practice it when it was a challenge like that's what danny did like i love that example because he did he wasn't the best at it right away but he practiced it and i bet there were times where he wanted to stop and that's how our kids like i try to remind my kids it's like you're not like there are things you're great at but there are going to be things that you struggle at. And that's the things that are going to challenge who you are, your character. Because when you're good at something, you're not going to get mad. You're not going to have all the negative aspects a lot of times. But when you struggle, when you're faced with adversity, that's what I want you to do. I want you to be able to handle adversity in a way that is different than everyone else. Like when you get the bad grade on your test, I don't want you to go, this means I'm less than less than. I want you to go, no. I made a mistake and I'm going to continue to grow because that having that in you is going to change the people around you because they're going to, wow, you saw an opportunity to be angry and you chose to be peaceful. You chose to be forgiving. You chose love over hate or over, you know, doing something that you wouldn't normally do. So. Well, and I think just to kind of wrap it up here, because we're kind of at the end of our time, I think um, what I want to just keep on us here is that this is something that has to be daily. Uh, it has to be a practice daily. And whether it's weaknesses or strengths, because I say this, the biggest challenges in my life have been the things I'm really good at. I was really productive. I'm one of the most productive people. I mean, I can I can outwork. I can out hustle anybody. And so I became a workaholic. And that became a point where all my relationships struggled because of something I was good at, not because of something I was, you know what I mean? It's yep. some, it's my, it was my strength that created the biggest problems. And it may be your weakness. It's both of the things that you have to look at and go in every season, in every moment, I have to, I have to practice being like Jesus. And our goal as parents is to help them participate in the kingdom. So whether that's teaching them daily Bible reading or prayer, or whether that's making them redo losing their temper, or whether that's sitting down and making them actually slow down and miss out on some things, or like Heidi said, making sure church is a priority. All of these things, this is us coaching them to live in the kingdom, because it will not be what we teach them that makes them love Jesus. It will be them following Jesus that makes them see how beautiful he really is and how much better he makes their life. And that's our goal, is to teach our children to love Jesus and his way of life even more. So join us next week as we have a special movie to help us do that. We'll see you guys then.